Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning life coach and mentor, two times best-selling author, law of attraction YouTuber, speaker, and badass entrepreneur. My mission is to awaken and inspire women to turn their dream life into an abundant reality and to help them create their positively wealthy life full of abundance, happiness, and joy. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queens Badass Podcast episodes. Today I'm really really excited to bring Charlie Morley onto the podcast. So Charlie if you don't know is a best-selling author and teacher of mindfulness of dream and sleep who has over 13 years experience in the field of sleep dreams and mindfulness. In 2018 he was awarded a Winston Churchill Fellowship grant to research PTSD treatment in military veterans and continues to teach people with trauma affected sleep a set of practices called mindfulness of dream and sleep his 2021 book wake up to sleep is a practical guide to these practices welcome to the show charlie thank you for having me and thank you for reading my bio so lovely (laughs) how are you doing welcome i'm good i'm festive i am feeling very clear i'm uh what am what am i 40 hours into a three or four day juice fast so yeah i feel fresh i feel ready to go Good. Ready for the new year. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. It's, it's always that Christmas limbo period, isn't it? Of what day is it? Who am I? Yeah, I have um, no idea what day it is. <laughs> obviously, everyone's going to be listening to this in February, so this is going to be completely oh, yeah. irrelevant. But here now in December, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where we are. <laughs> So, um, Charlie, I'm so excited to talk all things lucid dreaming today, because mm-hmm. this is a topic that's been so much, like, so highly requested here on the podcast, um, but I actually don't know loads about it, so I'm really excited to ask you these questions as well. But my first question that I love to ask every guest that comes on is, when did you spiritually awaken? What's your story? I, I don't think I have spiritually awoken. I think I'm at that bit, you know, you've, like, stopped sleeping and dreaming, and you've got one eye open. And you have a look and you're like, oh, I'll go back to sleep. I'm at that stage in my spiritual awakening. So I, I don't know how to answer that. But I know when I got into spiritually things, um, I was around 16, 17. And I started to look into Buddhism and lucid dreaming, although I'd been into lucid dreaming from uh, a few years before that. But yeah, started to get into those things. Uh, also started getting into drugs, psychedelics, um, specifically looking for kind of mind expansion and had a near-death experience from taking too much of said drugs and that actually led me onto the path it's funny it's only in retrospect that you see your kind of genesis moment and I wish mine was like I was visited by angels in my dreams and they told me to do this it wasn't it was like I got messed up 
Uh, and on the back of that, drugs overdose had really bad nightmares, panic attacks during the day. And long story short, the panic attacks during the day led me to really pursue the um, interest in Buddhism and meditation that had, the seed had been planted and to use the lucid dreaming that I'd been doing already to deal with the nightmares. Because I'd been lucid dreaming for a few years before that, but just using it for like sex and skateboarding, as I often say, which is actually exactly what I used to do. I would, and a lucid dream, by the way, is a dream where you know that you're dreaming as the dream is happening. So you're in the dream, you're like, oh, wow, this is a dream. So I'm asleep in bed. This is all a projection of my own mind. I can do whatever I want. So at 16 years old, I used to do whatever I want, which is to be really good at skateboarding and have sex with loads of, you know, hot women and this kind of stuff. I had no idea it could be used for these spiritual practices and trauma integration and stuff like that. Um, but after, when the nightmares came, I had to use it for that. And after like three or four months of what I now see was classic post-traumatic stress disorder nightmares, I was able to use the lucid dreaming to, to stop them, to cure them like overnight. That's why I know this stuff works. And now when I offer the same practices to veterans who are coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq and having terrible nightmares, I can say with complete certainty, these practices can end your nightmares. I know that because it happened. I, I've seen it happen, uh, not just with me, with many others. So that was it, basically. Around 17, I got into Buddhism and lucid dreaming and that sort of stuff. But, it's but really yes, I'm, I'm yet to, to spiritually awakening, to, wake, <laughs> to awaken. And I think we're always awakening, aren't we? Like, I feel like when I started asking that question, God, like four or five years ago, when I started this podcast, it was very much that was the question. Whereas now me and every other guest who comes on is like, we've had like three or four so far, like they keep coming. So I, I love your yeah, like a false awakening. Like when you're yeah. learning to lose a dream, you often have these things called false awakening, which is like a dream within a dream. Mm. So you dream that you've woken up. And then a few seconds later, boom, you wake up for real. And you're like, Whoa, what was that in between bit? And you can actually have five or six of these false awakenings. And in many ways, the Buddhist view is that what we're experiencing now is just another false awakening. You know, we think we are awake, but actually we're still asleep to the true nature of reality. Mm, so true. I've got so much to ask you about dreams because <laughs> all of this resonates massively. And I think as well, like with your journey and your kind of when you discovered spirituality, it's really interesting because I love hearing these stories just to see the complete diversity of people's, you know, awakenings as such and what led them to find spirituality. But I think I love yours because it's very similar to mine. It's quite messy. And mm. sometimes it's not neat and pretty and, oh, I just an angel visited me or, oh, I found the secret. Sometimes mm. it is in the depths of our despair. It's in the depths of the darkness as such. So I think it's almost a great example for people to hear that because they can realize that actually from the darkest, most biggest experiences that you go through from going to like the opposite end of the scale, you can then have this positive realization where you're now using lucid dreaming to help a lot of people who need it, which is great. Absolutely. And what you're talking about there, archetypally, that is the awakening experience. Very, very rare to have an awakening experience without suffering. So when I do hear people who just like an angel visit them, I'm like, whoa, that's like one in a gazillion. Jesus, he had to be nailed to a freaking cross. You know what I mean? It's like, look at what happens. You look at the sages of the past. Mm -hmm. It's why do we think that we can reach some level of awakening without going through that suffering that they had to go through? So actually what you're, you're, what you're uh, describing there is way more common. Like this is the shamanic dismemberment that you find in all the shamanic indigenous traditions. It's going into the darkness. It's Carl Jung's dark night of the soul. That is, that's kind of a requisite. It is possible to have awakening without the suffering. I, I wish I knew how to get to that bit. <laughs> but um, for, for many, the most common way is through exactly what you described. 
which means not so much that we go looking for suffering, but that when we are experiencing suffering, we can at least have that possibility of seeing, you know, no mud, no lotus mm-hmm. without the fertile ground of the shit, of the mud, of the, of the fertilizer, no lotus flower can grow. And that's, yeah, that's a really important, re- not even a reframe, a really important truth, I think, to be aware of. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's go on to the exciting yes. stuff then. So <laughs> I have heard about lucid dreaming. I've heard about your work for years and I've heard about it mentioned so much. And from just that little snippet you explained that I have absolutely been lucid dreaming for years. Yes. Um, I suffered with PTSD as well. It came out this year after years of it being underneath the surface. So I'm really interested to hear what lucid dreaming is and how it can help us. Mm. So lucid dreaming definition of a lucid dream is any dream where you're actively aware of the fact you're dreaming as the dream is happening so whether it's a fun dream a nightmare whatever if you've ever had a dream where in the dream you go whoa this is actually a dream right now that was a lucid dream most people listening will have had that experience at least once spontaneously uh, research from harvard shows that children have it naturally so even if you don't remember having one of those experiences you probably have had multiple of those experiences as a child my job is to teach people to have how to have those at will um, so to how to fall asleep doing certain techniques and practices, self-hypnosis techniques, meditation techniques, mantra recitation techniques, um, sleep cycle techniques are waking up at certain times, which maximizes your drop into REM um, so that people can intentionally have a lucid dream. So that once they're in that space where they go, oh, wow, I'm dreaming, they now don't just kind of fly about or let the dream happen. They can intentionally do something. Now, what would they want to do? The elevator pitch on lucid dreaming is essentially anything you can treat through hypnotherapy, you can treat through lucid dreaming, because it's a very similar state. The hypnotherapist will bring a strand of the conscious mind into the subconscious, and once it's there, uh, plant a suggestion of healing intent, I live a healthy lifestyle free of the addiction of cigarettes, for example. A lucid dream, you're doing exactly the same thing, but you don't have the hypnotherapist guiding you, and rather than being in the subconscious, which is where a lot of hypnosis occurs, you're in the depths of the unconscious simply because you can't get more unconscious than asleep. You know, you're, you're as unconscious as you're ever going to be, uh, unless you're in an anesthetic or dead or whatever it might, even there you're not unconscious, but you know what I mean. So you're in this really deep aspect of the unconscious. So if in the lucid dream, you call out something like, I release my fear, I'm the greatest version of myself, that is like having the deepest, deepest hypnosis session, and then the hypnotherapist implanting that seed of, of suggestion in your mind. And not only that, because you're in a dream and dreams are made of images, you can actually do stuff in the lucid dream. You can call out to meet your inner child. And nine times out of 10, a personification of your childhood will appear before you as real as, you know, you can touch it. You can hug him or her. You can ask, how can I heal you? How can I release the trauma of my childhood? Um, You can practice things in the lucid dream. Uh, Heidelberg did a load of studies on this. You go into the lucid dream and practice sports. So let's say you go into lucid dream and practice like your tennis swing or something like that. They test you the next day. You actually get better. I mean, this is full on matrix stuff and not just at a psychological level, at a physical level, you get better at sport by training in the lucid dream. So think about what happens if we train in trauma integration in being more loving and being more kind. And especially as you mentioned the PTSD, a lot of the work I've been doing over the past few years uh, and what forms the basis of the new book, is working with people with heavy levels of PTSD. And in that case, it is becoming lucid in their nightmare. So the recurring nightmare occurs and knowing, oh, I'm not really back in Iraq or I'm not really back in this um, uh, you know, sexual abuse scenario. I'm simply dreaming about it. And because I'm dreaming about it and because this is my dream, I can do something here. 
So I can either, I mean, some people say, oh, I could change the ending. You could, but then that's still showing a version to what happened. So actually a high level practice is to go into it, to move towards the attacker or, or the trauma without literally with open arms. I talk about this in my TED talk about embracing your trauma, not to make more of it, but actually knowing that love is the most powerful dissolution element there is. And if you show love to something, and what is trauma but an unloved aspect of ourself, you can actually love it back into integration. So you can have really powerful experiences. And we did a study on this, sorry, just giving a really long answer, but this has just come out, the results. We did a study in the summer with 55 people, all of whom had PTSD. To get on the study, you had to have PTSD. And I've never worked with a group with 100% PTSD. There were veterans, um, child sexual abuse survivors, a whole range of people. In the week of the study, it was a scientific study with Institute of Noetic Sciences, 75% had a lucid dream. And of those, um, a high percentage had what we call a healing lucid dream. That's Little Waffle disagreeing with healing lucid dreams. And by the end of the study, when we tested the average PTSD score, it had dropped so low, it was, it was below the PTSD threshold. So the average had dropped to below PTSD. Then three weeks later, the follow-up study, it was still below the PTSD threshold. This is huge. And when this comes out in January, there will be noise about it. So um, that'll hopefully have come out before this podcast is released. Yeah, how exciting. And, you know, it's so amazing to hear this because like I do inner child work, I do meditation, yeah. all these different things. And it's so great to hear that you can do all of this within your dreams yes. as well. Because I absolutely used to dream like probably six days out of the week I could tell you what my dreams were I remember them even now like I'm always someone who's like whoa I had a really trippy dream last night and I remember every single detail of it but I think what I could do with developing is like you say being able to do something in that dream it's very much observing like I don't feel I could just I think sometimes I have done something but I think that's where I would find a block of saying something or doing something in that dream so it really fascinates me that we can work with that and like you say heal so many things in our waking life through our dreams as well while we sleep emma if you're at that level of witnessing where you kind of know the dreams happening but aren't directly interacting you're one fraction away from being able to do all this stuff and all you really need is that intention to go in there that tonight if you have that moment where you're like, oh wow this is a dream rather than just going along with it okay well let me call forth my inner child and how to do that. For me, I call for little Chuck, because that's what I was called as a kid. Maybe you've got a, a nickname you had as, as a child or something, you could call her in. Mm-hmm. And what we found, especially when people are working with childhood sexual trauma, far better than going the lucid dream and go sexual trauma come to me, which you can do, and something will manifest, but I'm, whoa, you're coming face to face with something very strong. Far better meet and heal the part of you that was wounded by the childhood trauma, which is, of course, the archetype of the inner child. So we've developed these ways to create very safe mediums for people to go into this space. And um, yeah, I mean, go all the work you've done already, you will just flourish into lucid dreaming. I'm excited to try it. <laughs> yes, I want you to be excited to go to bed. Like my job is to make people at like 10 o'clock or nine o'clock in the evening be like, oh, when can I go to bed? Because I, I can't wait to get into the dream state. I can't wait to do all this great stuff to my mind, with my mind. So a question I have, like a personal question, is how does that affect our sleeping? Because in my mind, I'm like, well, if I'm actively doing all of that, am I going to wake up rested still? Am I going to feel like I've had a good night's sleep? So here's the cool thing. Lucid dreaming actually optimizes your sleep. So when you become lucid, the brain goes into gamma, which is the brainwave 
um, usually associated with, or at least popularized by those monks who's done 10,000 hours meditation. About 15 years ago, they did all this research and it came out, 10,000 hours meditation changes your brain and stuff. Those guys were, those, those people were constantly in gamma. So uh, no, lucid dreaming is very good for you. It's good for your brain. You know, it's good for you. However, the act of learning lucid dreaming, like waking up at certain points, uh, writing down your dreams in the morning, doing reality checks during the day, that can be quite tiring. But like learning any form of new yoga or sport or martial arts is going to be tiring the first couple of weeks because you're not used to using those muscles. So learning to lucid dream can be a bit tiring. The lucid dream itself is refreshing for the mind and actually good for you. Love that. Amazing. So let's move on to one of my other favorite topics, napping. I'm here for this. If you're going to tell me to nap, I am here for it. So why is napping good for us? Emma, napping is so good for you. Um, I've, uh, there's so much. Okay, let me just pick some studies for you. Um, as long as your nap, and what is a nap? A nap is any short period of sleep outside of your main monophasic sleep cycle. So let's assume that most people listen to this are sleeping monophasically, which means one big chunk of sleep, you know, seven to nine hours if you can, that's, that's recommended. Um, as long as your nap is between 20 and 90 minutes, and as long as your nap finishes six hours before your intended bedtime, there are no negative consequences to naps. So 10 years ago, people, oh, if you've got insomnia, you shouldn't nap, or maybe napping isn't good for some people. The last 10 years of sleep research has completely put those myths to bed. As long as it finishes six hours before your intended bedtime, as long as it's less than 90 minutes long, it can only benefit you. Naps are so good for you. Uh, learning is increased. You can learn any language up to 30% quicker if you nap in the middle of the day when you are learning that language either side of the learning. Um, napping is a great way to hit that seven to nine hours recommended because it actually isn't seven to nine hours per night. It's seven to nine hours sleep per 24 hour period. So if you're only hitting five or six hours, if you can get a cheeky one hour nap in the middle of the day, you're absolutely within that seven uh, threshold. Um, oh, the studies they did at NASA were looking at naps as short as uh, 15 to 30 minutes increased productivity by up to 40% and actually increased um, alertness in astronauts by up to 100%. So there was like a doubling of alertness after. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Short nap. Napping is so good for you. 30% less likely to die of heart disease across men and women. For men, it's 60% less likely to die of heart disease um, for regular nappers. That means napping like um, three or four times a week minimum. There is no medicine currently available that can reduce a man's um, risk of getting heart disease by 60%. A nap can. I mean, it's re- I could go on and on. And there's a whole, sorry, shameless plug, but the new book, Wake Up to Sleep, has a whole chapter on this. All the studies on napping are here. If you've got any kind of friends or family members who are like, oh, I'm not sure about napping, give them that chapter. And you're like, you'll be convinced. It's so good for you. We should probably finish early and take a nap right now. Exactly. Let's just <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> just pause the podcast. On, on camera, it'll be like a really boring podcast. Just me and you sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so true, though. And like, obviously, I don't know. I didn't know all the science behind it, but it absolutely makes sense. But like, I'm always someone who I don't have a nap every single day. But when I'm really feeling like I need it, absolutely, my productivity afterwards is yeah. definitely raised. And also, I love to nap during writing my book or just before because it relaxes me but then also the productivity is there as well to really sit and get involved with that book so definitely napping is a big part of my book writing process (laughs) and and even if you can't nap for anyone listening oh I don't nap what's called non-sleep deep rest so NSDR non-sleep deep rest you know you're kind of dozing you can't quite get into full sleep you're just having a little lie down in the middle of the day that's brilliant for you too I mean loads of studies on that as well so anyone who thinks they can't nap even just 20 minutes of lying down. It's a bit like charging your phone up for 20 minutes. I see you're low on battery and you're just plugging in for 20 minutes. You can really refresh that battery. Love it. So we touched on a little bit there, but for anybody who's struggling to sleep, what top tips do you have for sleeping better? Yeah, so I'm not going to give people, I'm not going to patronize people with the sleep hygiene stuff they've heard before. Uh, in the new book, I ha- I've literally, I've got an appendix at the back of sleep hygiene tips. So like, if you read all the way to the back of the book, you'll eventually get there. But people working with high levels of stress and definitely with trauma, but with high levels of stress and who hasn't got high levels of stress over the past 18 months, right? Sleep hygiene tips, it's like scratching the surface um, because sleep hygiene tips deal with the external environment. Oh, make sure, uh, you know, you don't look at your phone before bed or make sure you don't have caffeine after this point. It's like they help, but they change the external environment. What we want to do is change the internal environment of our bodies. So my main tips are number one, sleep awareness, learn how sleep works. So learn how the sleep cycles work, learn how your sleep cycles work, start keeping a nocturnal journal, which is exactly how it sounds every morning, just noticing how much sleep did I, did I get? When did I go to bed? Did I wake up in the middle of the night? Any dreams I can remember? How do I feel upon awakening? That's your baseline. Number two, learn to relax. There's wakefulness and there's sleep. There's also the bridge between them, which is rest and relaxation. And most people try and go from full wakefulness to sleep without the bridge. 
So they have to, you still have to go through the bridge, but you go over the bridge while you're lying in bed. So, you're, oh, it takes me an hour to fall asleep. Well, if you did some rest and relaxation before you went to bed, you've crossed the bridge already and then you can go into sleep. So deep rest and relaxation, things like yoga nidra, non-sleep deep rest, um, anything that relaxes you before bedtime. And yes, that will include switching your phone off, but not because there's anything wrong with the phone, but because rather than looking at your phone, you're choosing to relax before bedtime. Um, the third one, say breath work. The quickest way to change your internal state of your, neuro, your, your <laughs> the quickest way to change the internal state of your neurology is through your breath, through your breathing. If we got everyone to do this for the next five minutes, <gasps> Eventually, they have a heart attack. Eventually, they have a panic attack, and maybe a heart attack too, because what they're doing there is you are telling the body there's a threat because you're doing the breathing of threat, right? Whereas if we ask people to do the opposite for five minutes, ah, ah, the universal sound of rest and relaxation, your body and brain will do, move into a state of deep rest and relaxation. So slow, deep breathing is a really good way to regulate the nervous system. Uh, and then if people are working with nightmares, I'd say, look at what nightmares are, reframe them. Nightmares are good for you. They're a sign of a healing mind. They're like an immune response. Um, and then, of course, lucid dreaming for people who really want to work with their sleep. But those are the tips I'd give, not the sleep hygiene stuff. You know, go at a deeper level. You're there for a third of your life. Make use of it. A third of your life. Wow. I never knew that. That's powerful. A third Isn't of that your nice? life. Yeah. But like you say, you know, we use it as just a, oh, go to sleep, oh, wake up. Like if we can use that positively to help us heal, to reframe our mindset, exactly. to heal trauma, like you don't need to worry about it in the waking life. Yeah. You've got it dealt with. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's no greater, because I mean, all this lucid dreaming stuff, I lived in the Buddhist center for almost eight years. All this lucid dreaming stuff comes from the ancient Tibetan traditions, uh, as well as the Mexican ones and shamanic ones too. Um these practices are really designed to help us. You know, these aren't, the, these are, are, are really powerful practices. So this whole thing about kind of, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. No, you, you'll, you'll live when you sleep. You know, you can really make use of this. It doesn't have to be dead time. It can be time for healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. So how can we set ourselves up for sleeping success then? I mean, all of those five things I mentioned, they're kind of, working with sleep and then as far as i mean let's get some tips on lucid dreaming i think that's probably what people would like uh, so they got some takeaways um the first one uh, let's do the four d's actually this will just take a few minutes the uh, first d is dream recall so train yourself to remember your dreams so just like you said emma you like every morning you're like oh my god I totally remember my dreams in many of them i'm actually witnessing and i'm aware i'm dreaming perfect so the first thing remember your dreams how well, a lot of people say they don't dream. Everybody dreams. There's no way to stop the human brain from dreaming other than a heavy head injury or a stroke. Um, and even then your brain will start dreaming within a few weeks. So you are dreaming every night, but when did you last try to remember your dreams? Well, if you don't think you're dreaming, you're probably not going to try and remember. So when you fall asleep tonight, be saying over and over in your mind an affirmation of remembrance, something like, Tonight, I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. Reciting that over and over again through the hypnagogic state, which is really suggestive kind of hypnotic state. The second D is a dream diary. So write down your dreams, why it helps you remember them. And also it helps you spot patterns. The act of writing down your dreams, let's say you write down your dreams for a week, and then you look through them, you'll start to see certain patterns that only happen in your dreams. Like, oh, I always dream of that beach we used to go to as a kid. 
Or I always dream of that kid from school who I haven't seen for 20 years. Or I always dream of my dead grandmother who died many years ago. You'll see what are called dream signs. And that's the third D, things that only appear in your dreams. And once you start recognizing them, you make triggers because you start to tell yourself, well, look, if I see my dead grandma, then I must be dreaming. Or if I see, if I'm back at that beach where we used to go as a kid, I must be dreaming. You set up these lucidity triggers. And the more you recognize your dream signs, the deeper those triggers become until eventually a couple of days later, you'll be dreaming away. You're on the beach as a kid and something triggers. It's like when you remember someone's name, you go, hang on, this beach, this is one of my dream signs. Whoa, this is it. I'm dreaming. And you can become lucid. And the fourth D I'd say is called dream planning. This is actually the most important. I should have done it first. Have a good reason to have a lucid dream. Anyone listening or watching this now, you can do all the techniques, but unless you've got a really good reason to get lucid, it's going to take a lot longer. So the most important thing is think, if I were lucid in my dream tonight, if I were conscious in my unconscious mind, what would I want to do? What trauma would I want to heal? What question would I want to ask? What um, thing would I want to practice? What meditation would I want to do? What internal archetypes, such as the shadow, the inner child, the king, the lover, the magician, would I want to meet? And if your dream plan excites you, if it's like, well, I cannot wait to go to bed, imagine if I can meet my inner child and heal my childhood trauma, that will get you lucid. It's that excitement, or what the Greeks used to call enthusiasmos, which means possessed by the gods. If you can fall asleep with that enthusiasm, that's going to get you lucid. I love those tips. They're great. And like you say, it is about intention, isn't it? Of it's not just about, you know, blindly going in there and being like, oh, I'm lucid dreaming, you know, having that intention, like you say, meeting your inner child, working with your angels, whatever, like, you know, yeah. it definitely does help to have that intention and have a clear reason to go in because then it's not directed, but, you know, you have more direction with it. And that's probably where totally. I don't have that direction currently. <laughs> But if you, but that's when you're one step away. If you, once you decide your dream plan, it's like it's there for you. And also, as you were speaking, I was like, that's the same with every spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I want to try mindfulness. And you kind of give it a go compared to, I want to use mindfulness to calm my anxiety, or I want to use mindfulness to help integrate my panic attacks, or I want to use mindfulness to whatever, be a better Bitcoin trade. It doesn't really matter, but it's about what is your intention. Mm -hmm. And once you, like intention is, it kind of pulls the trigger back, you know, it's like, boom, it gives you this, this power to the, to the practice. So I think you're right. That intention goes for all spiritual practices and definitely for lucid dreaming. I love it. So what I've noticed as well with dreaming is when I've done like a deep healing session or when I've like gone, done some PTSD healing or whatever, I will have really weird and sometimes quite negative dreams, scary dreams. So why do we have that when we're doing healing as well? really good because you've got loads of stuff to process. Mm -hmm. So if you go through a big experience during the day, you are supposed to dream about it. If that experience was somehow traumatic or dealing with trauma, you are quite likely to have that night and anxiety dream or a nightmare. That doesn't mean like a lot of people freak out and think, oh, that means I shouldn't have done that healing during the day because I had a nightmare. That's a bad sign. It's not a bad sign. It's a very good sign. It shows that, you know, if we think of the dreamer as uh, or the, the dream state being like a group therapy session. So the more intense your experience in the day, the more intense a therapy session is going to be. You know, if you're in weekly therapy with someone and then one week you get your heart broken, you know that next therapy session is going to be pretty bloody intense, right? You're going to have to talk about your heartbreak. It's exactly the same with our dreams. So 
you can really get to the state where when you have a nightmare, you're like, oh, nice. I must have really done some work yesterday because I had a really big nightmare last night. Mm-hmm. And then to take it to an extreme in the, the Buddhist um, tradition, we actually see nightmares as, as a really good sign because they help to purify karma. Because the experience of your dream and the experience of waking is really no different to the mind. So if you go through a kind of a scary nightmare, you're purifying karma. It's something to be really rejoiced in, not only because it it shows that this uh, psychological integration is happening, but that karma that could have played out in the waking state played out in the dream state. So far better, you know, you break your leg in a dream than you break your leg in real life, right? But from a karmic point of view, the the dissolution is still occurring. Um, So nightmares can be embraced. It's a bitter medicine, you know. There'll never be a time in a nightmare. Oh, brilliant, a nightmare. You know, it's always going to be scary and uncomfortable. But in the same way, sometimes, you know, when you're having a really deep healing session, a physical healing, like a massage or something, and it hurts, but you know it's getting that knot out of the muscle. So there's something in you that that kind of asks, yeah, keep going on that bit. You know, keep working that knot. And do you think or believe that we can predict through our dreams as well. Have you had any experiences? Because I definitely have where things have happened in your dream before they've happened in reality. Yeah, dream precognition is absolutely real. Um, How to explain it and how it works, no idea. No idea. Um, I tried asking a a Buddhist Lama this once and I thought he didn't understand the question. So I kind of started to rephrase his Tibetan, he started to rephrase it. And then he looked at me. I was saying, is it because time is different? Because time stretches and maybe you're in this time continuum. He just looked at me and went, time? (laughs) Like as if you think time exists, dude, you need to drop that belief. And then you can start talking about precognition. It was just like time, time, time is a complete construct. How it works, no idea. Is it real? Yes. Personal experiences, maybe less than a dozen, but, you know, enough to know it's real. Uh, and, you know, 13 years of teaching people this stuff. I've seen stuff happen on retreats where people are keeping a dream diary. So I can check. I'm like, let me see that dream you wrote down three days ago. Oh, my God, he did. He did. He predicted it. It's, this is real. Anyone who doesn't believe in precognitive dreams has simply not spent enough time around people who are dreaming and enough time, you know, working with dream work. It's absolutely real. The vast majority of dreams are not precognitive, but that doesn't mean that some are. Uh, that doesn't mean that some aren't. Um, and by keeping the dream diary, at least we open up to the possibility of catching the ones that are. Mm. You know, imagine if the whole world was keeping a dream diary the night before 9-11. And so many people reported, myself included, I had a dream about these two big tower blocks, which had been like gutted. And these missiles were actually flowing, uh, flying through two missiles flew into them, which is very interesting. If you think about the conspiracy theories around 9-11, who knows? But for mine, it wasn't planes, it was two missiles going into them. And then the next day, the Twin Towers happened. And that was one of hundreds of dreams reported. Imagine if we had a database of those that people were, that we could really kind of cross-refer them. Perhaps we could even get to the state where it's like minority report and we can actually save lives. If we saw in some online database that like a thousand people around the world all had a dream that, um, you know, some terrorist atrocity was going to happen. Who knows? Maybe that could save lives one day. Maybe that's the future. Who knows? What a world we would live in if it was, right? Yeah, kind of scary, but who knows? Possible. Exactly. Anything's possible. Well, I love all of this. This is such a fascinating conversation, Charlie, and I really hope everybody has taken such useful nuggets of wisdom as well as well well from this and can obviously go and do their lucid dreaming from tonight so my last question to you a little bit off topic but again it's a question I love to ask every guest as they leave is what is one piece of life advice that you would like to leave my listeners with today 
be kind. That's it. Like be kind yourself to others, to situations, the universe, or the planet. I mean, that's it, right? I think those two words, it's like, that's the spiritual path. Be kind. Amen. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. where can we get your new book, Wake Up to Sleep? And what can we expect from it? Sure. So Wake Up to Sleep is, uh, has got a couple of chapters on lucid dreaming, but it's primarily a book for people with, with troubled sleep. So this is like the insomnia book. Um, and you can get it anywhere that sells books, I guess, bookshops and Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that kind of stuff. It's on worldwide release. You can get it on audio and in ebook format. Um, so yeah, if you want to, unless you're nailing nine hours sleep a night, this new book has definitely got something to offer. If you're more interested in the lucid dreaming stuff, then one of my first couple of books, Dreams of Awakening or Lucid Dreaming Made Easy, that's like straight up how to lucid dream books. Um, but yeah, the new one's got breath work, deep relaxation, sleep awareness, all those tips that I mentioned. Um, and yeah, it's helpful. It's, it's a helpful book. Amazing. Well, I will put links to all of Charlie's work in the description below so you can go and find it really easy with a clickable link. But where can my lovely listeners find you, Charlie, if they want to learn more about your work? Yeah, Instagram. So Charlie Morley Lucid Dreaming Teacher or charliemorley.com, my website. Uh, I'm very easy to find. Someone recently said if you just type Charlie Lucid into Google, they forgot my surname, all my stuff comes up. So apparently there you go. Charlie Lucid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Super easy. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on, Charlie. It's honestly been such a joy speaking to you today. I've taken away loads from this, so I'm sure everybody listening has done as well. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope your listeners have benefited from it. It's been really nice to chat to you. You're, you're a brilliant interviewer. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Emma. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my podcast episodes. I really hope you've enjoyed Charlie and I's conversation today. As always, you can find a clickable link to Charlie's work in the description below. And if you want to find out anything more about myself, my free content, my videos, or my coaching, you can find it all at emmamumford.co.uk. So thank you so much guys for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. Don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things law of attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a great week whatever you're up to and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode which will be next week. Lots of love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.